This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good evening, everybody. Happy Monday. Whoa, what a weekend. <laughs> oh, man. Whoa, what a week. What a month. What a year. I know. Like, just really sit with all we've been through this year. It's quite wild that we are still in it, but also that we got through it. Not that it was necessarily the best for everyone, you know, sending out love, care, and support for those that are continuing to struggle. What a time though, you know, a lot of history being made, all sorts of feelings around the election. I hope everyone's kind of doing what they need to do to uh, ground themselves and make sense of everything that's happening around them. I wanted to open the show though, by sharing some good news. A lot of good things did come out of the election, right? So uh, here's some good news. I posted some of this on my social media. First off, the first openly trans person elected as a senator in U.S. history. That's right. Sarah McBride, 30-year-old Democrat from Delaware. Delaware. I went to high school in Delaware. First openly trans person elected to the Senate. I, 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 I love that. Love that, love that, love that. Also, first black LGBTQIA and Afro-Latino congressman elected. Yup. Two New York Democrats, Mondaire Jones and Richie Torres, made history Tuesday night when they were the first openly LGBTQ black and Afro-Latino politicians to be elected to the U.S. Congress. Phenomenal. More, 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 more to come. Oregon, we talked about last week, decriminalize possession of all drugs. Love that. That is so that those that need help can go get it. We don't want to put people in prison for having struggles with drugs, alcohol, or mental health. We want them to go get treatment or therapy. And also adults that aren't misusing drugs or alcohol, we want them to have the right to have access to that. So that's great. More good news. That's not it. State elects the first Muslim politician. Now, the reason why all these identities being elected to positions of power, it's so meaningful because of representation and visibility. It's important for us to see others that look like us, that live like us, doing things that then show us what's possible and even more than that is possible. Every time we push something forward, more can occur. State elects first Muslim politician, as I said, Maury Turner, 27-year-old black queer newcomer, made history Tuesday night when she was elected as Oklahoma's first Muslim lawmaker. Love that, love that, love that. That is huge. Also, Mississippi, Montana, New Jersey, Arizona, South Dakota legalized marijuana. Love that. Five states became the latest to legalize marijuana. Amazing. Also, I love this one. This is something I fought for as well when I voted. Parolees are now given the right to vote in California. California has voted to allow parolees the right to vote in elections, restoring voting rights to, excuse me, restoring voting rights um, to some 50,000 people within the criminal justice system. Listen, I don't think that the carceral system is the best solution. I'm all about prison abolition, along with people that you've heard the names before. I've dropped them on the show. 
But when you've done your time, you absolutely should not have to have that penalization carried forward forward and lose the right to vote and also participate in other powerful forms of decision-making. So I'm so glad that that happened. Also, four members of the squad got reelected. So excited to see that. You know, that's Ilhan, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib, and Ayanna Presley of Massachusetts. Remember, that's the squad, and a whole bunch of people got added to that. And finally, voters reject police facial recognition technology. Oh, it's all about safety and not furthering um, the criminal justice system in uh, unneeded and unfair ways. So really good stuff to come out and more continues to happen. You know, these are all the big wins, but there's so much happening. And I love seeing the diversification of people in positions of power and in government. Um, no longer just the white cis hetero agenda. And in order for that to happen, remember, we talk about that all the time, that true change is not just about inclusion. You know, it's a starting point, but that can also be performative or very tokenizing. True change is when you see diverse people in positions of power, right? So I keep saying that. Look around your organization. If you don't see gay people in positions of power, black people, fat people, diversity truly given what it needs to be given to create the actual change. Otherwise, you still have the same problematic norms and values just dropping in people that are exploited and marginalized. So these are all really important changes that we're seeing happen and more will continue to come. So this year we can all collectively feel really good about those pieces happening. And uh, hopefully so much more as that inspires people to know that they can also run for office and achieve so much more than maybe they thought they could. So I love that. Uh, Question of the night as always is up on our Loveline IG page story. We got a great show planned for you. So much we're gonna talk about. We're gonna talk about resilience. We're gonna talk about mental strength. And also just talk about ways that we can really look out for ourselves in these difficult times. So uh, weigh in on our question of the night and then we'll be closing out the show as always with some DMs. So if you got a question for us, drop it in our DMs on our our Loveline IG page, and I hope you are checking out my live stream show. I'm listening live. That's every Thursday night, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on all the rated.com handles. You can also go there to check out past episodes. Really good stuff, um, experts, celebrities. But uh, coming up next, we're going to be talking about how to go a little more minimalist and the positive impacts that minimalism can have on your life. It's really good stuff. I've learned a lot and applied some of these different pieces as well to my own life. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, we're going to talk about something that brings fear into some people's bodies and psyches minimalism. Others thrive in it, you know, and for those that are familiar with Marie Kondo, she's the only person I can think of that is really well known and kind of associated with all this far from being the first, but her coined concept was, uh, does it bring you joy? And I think there's something really beautiful in that, you know, purchasing things and accumulating things really should be rooted in bringing us joy and pleasure. So I like that entry point. And that's kind of what I'm always talking about in terms of mental health and self-care, right? is the life you're leading and the things you're choosing to focus your time, attention, and energy on bringing you joy. Now, especially when we talk about relationships, and I mean that family members, friends, husbands, wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, sex partners, do they bring you joy? I say that all the time, check in before, during, and after, right? When they call or you're thinking about spending time with them, how do you feel? Start there, and if you don't feel good, work to do on improving that relationship or maybe exiting, exiting it. And then how do you feel while you're with them? 
And then again, how do you feel having walked away from having been with them, walked away as in spent time with them? Looking back, did that feel good? Does that make sense to you? And if not, you know, those are the three entry points. Uh, when you're thinking about spending time with someone while you're with them and afterwards. And I think items is, are the same way, you know, a lot of us use a many, many different forms to kind of dissociate and check out, and that's okay. We're allowed to take time away from being in our busy lives or stressful lives or the anxiety of things. Um, it's not about avoiding uh, feelings as much as taking time away from them, and that's an important process to learn how to really do. It's a muscle that we have to work psychologically. So minimalism is just that. Looking at what you're bringing into your home and the impact it's having on you. What are you purchasing? And it's not about getting rid of everything, which I think that Marie Kondo person was misquoted as saying. And people were like, oh my God. And I, and I have that as well. I have a, a, a gigantic, gigantic book collection. I've read them all. I go back through them. I also think there's something really uh, spiritual about having them around me. And uh, I like having them. I think they're stunning and beautiful. And it really reflects back to people that visit my home, what's important to me. And people are like, I can't believe you keep them all. And I say, well, of course. I have a relationship with all the ones I've kept. The ones I think are junk, I throw out. So minimalism is just really that, like looking at the world you're living in and what you're bringing into it. Um, so the first thing the minimalists do, for those that want to move a little bit closer to that, is they don't focus on trends. So they're not caught up on how their home's supposed to look or what they're supposed to be wearing. And I'm a big fan of that as well. I, I, I worry about that, not at all. I, I go more with the authentic route. What what do I like? What do I enjoy? What makes sense to me? I'm not trying to be tri hip, trendy, cool, keeping up with anyone. Uh, I'm not trying to play into classism where I feel like I have to buy or have expensive things. There are certain things I, I spend money on and other things I definitely am not willing to. Um, and I go the cheaper route, you know? But the whole thing is basically, if you want to get more minimal, you're going to have to maybe take a step away from keeping up with trends because that can often mean constantly redoing your home, maybe constantly changing your wardrobe and all sorts of other factors. Um, it's not something you have to not participate in. That's always up to the individual, but that's part of minimalism, right? Is moving away from really getting caught up in what you're told you need to be doing to be you know, on point, trendy, cool, whatever it is. Um, something else that's part of minimalism is... Um, this email piece, and I was reading an article on this, and I thought that this was really a profound, beautiful way to reorient it because we tend to think about minimalism as visible things, but there's a lot of invisible things like emails, and they don't allow themselves to drown in emails. Minimalists keep their digital lives clutter-free, and that will often mean things like, and I started doing this as well, unsubscribing from a lot of chain email chains. I don't, I don't want to go into my email and be buried in emails from companies and organizations that I'm not interested in being contacted by. And I have no problem requesting an unsubscribe either by sending it back or directly asking for it. Um, I just don't want that burying my, keeping my phone busy and full, right? It, it really distracts me from the emails that are important to me. Also, minimalism is, like I said about the trendy thing, not really caring about what people think. And that kind of came up with my books, where for some people, they don't relate to it. They think they take a lot of space. They think that they're dusty. But to me, they have a lot of value. And psychologically, that's what minimalism is about, is making space for the things that are meaningful to you being able to continue to see them, relate to them, touch them. Because then when you acquire a lot of stuff, that gets lost. You're not able to find things or to see things or to you know actually utilize things. So that's a big part of it. You know, it was just kind of clearing out space. And there's a lot of work out there in psychology and social psychology looking at the impact that our spaces have on us. Everyone's space does not need to be tidy and clutter-free. You're allowed to be someone who's more casual. I kind of ride the middle where I'm definitely not messy and I'm definitely not dirty, but 
I let things sit for a minute or two. Like I'll have a hoodie laying out. I'll have a water bottle sitting out, things like that. I don't get really worked up about things like that. I will leave a dish or two in the sink because that's how I choose to live my life, you know? And if people are uncomfortable by that, well, then they can put it in the dishwasher. <laughs> and if they don't feel like putting it in the dishwasher, then they have to learn how to look at it in the sink until I'm ready to, you know? Those are certain things I won't battle. Also, um, another part of minimalism is they don't necessarily get overly hung up on or emotional about things and an attachment to them. There's so many interesting ways, and this falls under that whole group of people that I'm so fascinated by that do things like scrapbooking and uh, crafting. And I've learned from momentary engagements with that world that there's so many ways we can downsize things that are important to us. Just like you don't need to always have the actual object. Some people just take photos of certain important things that they don't need or they don't want or take up too much space. And that's how they revisit or spend time with it. They find interesting ways to kind of reduce the space that something might take or even remove it all completely and have it in some other form. And I thought that was interesting. Someone was showing me a photo album of photos they had taken of some important things that were no longer able to be in their home. And I thought, well, there it is. You still get to spend time with it, right? It's just not sitting out. I think that's there's something so interesting on that because it's a way to kind of keep these memories present, right? So it's basically just about every time you now move forward and purchase something, just ask yourself, what's that about? You know, how much meaning and value does this have? Is this going to bring joy into my life? Because if so, that's reasonable. We're allowed to do things just for the purpose of joy and pleasure, like dessert. Dessert serves no purpose than a smile on your face. And that's purposeful enough, right? We need more of that, right? We get we get so, um, I don't know, tied to rationality in a certain way. So minimalism isn't about getting rid of joyful moments. It's quite the opposite. The less you have, the more, again, relation, the more of a deeper relationship you can have with something. You can see it. You can access it. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what I realized when I started unloading things. P.S. I have a lot to unload in the clothing department because that seems to be one area that really piles up. Okay, enough about that. Coming up next, though, we're going to be talking about dun, da, 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 ways to focus on your mental health. Shocker. I know. Shocker. Uh, and question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page. So wait on that. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. And uh, I want to talk about something that I put up on my IG that got kind of retweeted and reposted and it was always interesting to see what what things I post that people respond well to. It's also interesting to see which ones you know really garner a lot of engagement. And then it's also interesting to see which ones publicly get engagement versus which ones I get a lot of engagement behind the scenes and in the DMs, which came up for a post I made last week. And it still has comments coming back. And that's what's so interesting is that they're not done publicly though, right? And there's some uh, shame or people want to kind of privately work through it. And I, I, tr I do my best to respond to DMs, but it's really, really hard on my um, private IG because I'm busy, you know? And I'm one of those people where when I'm with, when I'm trying to be present to something or someone else, I, I, don't, I don't have my phone accessible. And I've been also practicing turning my phone off and putting it away for hours at a time. I, I just don't want to be readily accessible or available. You know what I mean? And I think that that's an important part of self-care. So what I was talking about is how I want people to be proud of the work they do on their mental health. We're so proud of the body we build, 
um, the home we build, what we're doing at work and in our careers and our hobbies. But we often don't really treat our mental health like that. But you need to. Our mental health is like a plant. You can't just sit it on the counter and think it takes care of itself. It's something that's just managed and handled. You have to constantly engage it. Like some plants, you have to move them around. The heat or the sunlight has to get them at the right time. And sometimes you put them for some sunlight in a certain area and then bring it back and you have to pay attention to the watering schedule. I mean, a health is like that. It's an open active system. So the whole entry point of this post was that if you're feeling stressed out or burnout or exhausted, that you need to be backing off of life and whatever you're doing, not, not pushing in more, not doing things to allow you to keep going. That will further stress you, exhaust you, and burn you out. And I know I used to be like that. I was like, oh, well then I guess I need to work harder. No, you need to work less, not harder, not smarter, less. And when I say work, I mean that in all of its forms. I mean that in terms of your engagement with friends, family, the gym, organizing, whatever it is. I mean general things that require energy and focus, other any form of labor, emotionally or otherwise. You need to back off if you're tired and burnt out. And that's part of number one, saying no. <laughs> People struggle to say no. No, I'm sorry, I can't go to dinner tonight, you know? easier right now because of COVID, but I'm generalizing. We have to be able to say no, no, this weekend I don't want to blah, blah, blah. This weekend I can't because you're realizing that you are burnt out. And I realized I was burning myself out. I was taking on too much and I thought I need to push back. So saying no is huge. Get comfortable with that. I promise you, healthy people will hear a no. Also setting boundaries, which kind of falls under part of the no thing, but letting people know how much you're available for, how long you're available for. You know, like I loved that one meme where it said, you know, if you're calling a friend for advice, ask them if they have the energy for it. And I thought that was really beautiful because after my clinical day, I'm often not available for more emotional or psychological labor. And if a friend reaches out, I'll sometimes say, hey, you know what? I just did an eight or nine hour clinical day. Please reach out to someone else. I'm burnt. And you're allowed to do that. That's not being a bad friend. That's called having boundaries. You are allowed, you're allowed to say, no again. It's okay. That doesn't mean I don't care for you. That just means I can't be present in that way. And we have to get more familiar culturally with that. The other thing you have to do if you're stressed out, exhausted, or burnout, because right now, again, COVID and everything else that's going on, right? It's not dull. It's never dull. Is letting yourself only give 60%. We don't have to keep giving 100%. We don't have to keep holding ourselves accountable to the same expectations pre-COVID or pre-whatever. You're allowed to go through a rough month, a rough week, a rough day, and you're allowed to choose that day, that week, that month, or that year to drop the bar. I have. I'm doing 60%. I'm saying, like, I'm not at 100, and that's okay. You know, it's a strange time and I have a lot of pressures and you do as well. And then finally, if you're stressed out, burnout and exhausted, you also have to start prioritizing pleasure every day. There should be time for pleasure and something that gives you joy. That isn't productive. The gym does not count. <laughs> Organizing your closet, maybe. But usually when I say pleasure, I mean things that aren't depleting or exhausting and don't require focus or energy because that can tend to just be more labor on our nervous system and our psyches. So what you don't want to do, right? Because we want to talk about what we don't want to do if you're stressed, exhausted, or burnout is you don't want to just push through. Instead, you need to say no, set boundaries, and drop the bar down. You don't want to take on more, right? You don't want to stay silent. It's okay to speak up to the loved ones around you and say to your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, neighbor, colleague, hey, can you help me? I'm burnt out. I'm tired. I'm stressed. Can you take on some of this labor, Right? Also, I want to talk about this one thing about body hacks. Don't be using body hacks. And what that means is things that allow you to do more, 
and further burn yourself out. Like I'll just drink a Red Bull. And instead of acknowledging that my body's saying, you're t- I'm tired, I need to rest, you're going to drink a Red Bull so you can keep going. But, but that, that burns you out on the other end. That, that's a bridge over the problem. But the problem's still there. Trust me, that's not a solution. It's definitely not a long-term solution. What I'm talking about are longer-term solutions, ways to really orient and change our entire relationship to all these different responsibilities. It's a practice we have to get into. So if all the things I just went through are hard for you or scare you or make you anxious, that means that's where the work lies. That's a sign that you need to learn how to do that. And have healthy people in your life that can hear that. Again, healthy people will hear no. Healthy people will accept a boundary. Healthy people will allow you to be where you are. They won't expect you to just push through and do it anyway, you know? All right, coming up next, we're gonna be sliding into those DMs and uh, question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page in the stories. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world, and we want you to explore with confidence. All right, here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris. So, my partner told me early on in our relationship that they have codependency issues. I told them I was glad they shared that with me and that I would be mindful of it. Though my attachment style is more secure, well, well done. Takes a lot of work these days to have a secure attachment. And again, for those that aren't familiar with what that means, it's a very hyper-intellectual academic concept. But the basic simple answer would be someone who's either just raised in that perfect family dynamic where they feel really good and trusting of others. They can allow space. They can tolerate closeness. Very regulated. They're very responsive. Or they've done what we call earned secure attachment, which means that they've worked really hard to be able to show up in a more grounded, regulated um, healthier way for themselves and a partner when in a relationship. So well done. Uh, back to your question. You said though your uh, attachment style is secure, I do have a nurturing personality. I think that's phenomenal. I want us all to have more of that and a tendency to want to solve problems for people I care about. Bump, bump, bump. <laughs> Probably last part of the issue is usually people don't want problems solved. They just want to be listened to and heard. Uh, so back to your question. You say, uh, my partner has started becoming a bit distant, texting less. Uh, they also seem to be intentionally limiting how often we see each other to way less frequently than I would like, which makes me feel slightly insecure. At the same time, they're dealing with anxiety and being distant with their own friends. How do I show them support while encouraging independence? How do I navigate feeling distant or disconnected between seeing them? Thank you. Yeah, there's a lot in this. A couple things. So I don't know if this person is anxious and the way that they've been told to manage that is to kind of like lean out and give space, but maybe in doing so is actually just being avoidant and distant or they're avoidant and distant (laughs) and they naturally like a lot of space and it's hard or confusing for you to tolerate. I don't use words like codependency because I think it's a very misused, confused term. Our culture is so obsessed with individuality and self that we don't really know how to be relational and relationships are actually about a we and an us. A relationship is a regressive fusion. It It is us coming together and connecting. Secure attachment is about a lot of consistency, about a lot of presence, And so I don't agree with the use of those words. Now, this person might be, you know, in therapy for codependence or going to, you know, Al-Anon. And often some of what they preach and tell people is healthy 
actually is an avoidance style of relationship. And I don't, I don't agree because it's not run by therapists or psychologists. <laughs> these 12 step programs and these books on codependency are often written by people from the addiction field. Um, and so it's, it's often just not good material. So basically I'll really just address what your question was. And it was, um, how do I support them while being encouraging of independence? Well, by allowing it. <laughs> if they feel like they need a little time and space, allow that. But you also get to tap into what you need. And this is maybe where the conversation moves into compatibility. If you desire or prefer or want more closeness and they can't or won't, then you're not compatible and it's not the right relationship for you because secure attachment should seek secure attachment. Someone who's very able to be both present and also absent. Someone who can tolerate a lot of closeness, but also take time away because they can text you daily. When I'm in a relationship, I want to hear from the person at least once a day, if not more than that. But when we're not texting, they're very present and connected to the other elements of their life. So there really is a way to do both. So again, going back to your specific question, how do you um, encourage independence? By allowing. They're, they're kind of possibly taking independence. But again, if they're just distant, then that's not independence. Distance is faux independence. True independence is the ability to be both the ability to be both present and available while also honoring and taking care of your needs. So I kind of don't want you to honor that part. I want you to say to them, listen, you've gotten distant. I'm looking for something more close and connected. I want more intimacy. And if that's not something you're interested in or wanting, I can accept that. And then maybe you move up, move off because not everyone wants an attached relationship with a lot of closeness. I've shared this on the air. I date backpack style. I want someone with me all the time as much as possible. I send pictures. I send videos. I check in all the time. We talk daily. So that would never work for me. Um, and how do you navigate those feelings? Either tolerate them if you realize that they're actually being healthy. But if they're being avoided and distant, then I don't want you to tolerate. I want you to push back on that and ask for more. And if that's not possible, then it's not a compatible relationship. And that's what happens when someone secure dates someone avoidant. It doesn't work. <laughs> secure people look for someone secure, you know. Good luck with that, though. All right, y'all. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about resilience. Stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and Radio.com. All right, we're back and we're talking about mental strength and resilience. Ah, resilience. It's a buzzword. If you haven't heard it yet, you'll start to hear more of it. It's, it's probably going to be like the new self-care. How do we build resilience? Um, well, first off, and this is the caveat, and then we'll talk about it, is let's build a world where we don't need to be resilient. Let's build a world where people aren't you know, raised and socialized in traumatic environments, thereby requiring a word like resilient. If the world was healthier, we wouldn't be talking about things like that because resilience is what we talk about in terms of how someone survives or learns to thrive in adverse conditions. So it implies the presence of adverse conditions. Let's undo and remove those adverse conditions so no one needs to be resilient. You know, I don't want people that are gay to have to be resilient in a homophobic culture. I don't want black people to have to learn to be resilient in a white supremacist racist culture. I don't want fat identified and larger bodied people to have to learn how to thrive and be resilient in a fat phobic body shaming health policing culture. You know what I mean? Like if we just let people live their darn lives and not challenge the worth or value of someone, we wouldn't need resilience. And so that's the first thing that always irks me when people talk about resilience, because it's about putting the responsibility on the victim, on the person in front of you. Oh, well, how are you going to thrive in the environment that's not your fault that you were dropped into? That's a mess. <laughs> and so that, that's got to be in there. 
So we talk about mental strength, right? Which is what everyone's wanting because people are like, okay, well, the world's a funky, funky, funky place. First one is genes. Know that, that some of this is just biological, the way you're born. Some people are born to be better able to tolerate certain things or a better functioning system, whatever the heck that means. But yeah, there are some people who genetically are just more robust in all the different ways. And there's others that aren't. There are some people that are going to be more prone for a multitude of reasons to having, you know, to have a negative impact or outcome based on some of these traumatic, less than ideal environments. And again, that's really what it's about. So people that are raised in the most amazing environments, and uh, that would probably be people at the top of the privilege pile, um, they're not going to really understand resilience because they didn't need it because the world really accommodated them. You know what I mean? Like if you meet that special idea where you're white, cis, hetero, uh, gym bodied, upper class. Um, what are the other words? <laughs> There's so many Christian, most likely like all these different pieces. You're like, what's resilience. And it's like, well, yeah, you didn't have to learn how to deal with homophobia, racism, fat phobia, um, classism and all those things because you were born into a world where it didn't apply to you. So that's foreign to some people, but to those people that are of any kind of exploited or marginalized identity, you're like, oh yeah, I'm still trying to figure out how to thrive in the world because those systems are still there. They're still creating damage, right? And that's why I'm always trying to work on the macro and the micro. We can't just put it on the person and be like, oh, sorry about it. Figure it out. Thrive. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't work that even with addicts, we don't just say, all right, we're going to put you back in that messy situation and say, you better stay sober, go to a meeting. We have to put them in a new environment. FYI, that's a shout out to therapists and treatment centers. Please do pay attention to the environment you're sending someone back to, because that's usually what causes the relapse. Some of that and not the person, but we victim blame and we don't pay, you know, we don't really zero in on the system. Also, like I just said, they've had different life experiences. So we kind of covered that one, but what else really gives people that robustness? The people you're like, how are they always doing so well? Well, they also have a different personality. <laughs> and all of that's tied to everything we just talked about genetics, right? Social position and location, identity politics, like all those matter. Some people will just have more of a positive attitude. You know, that's all those things that swollen together. Um, they've just been in relationships that have really reflected back to them that they have worth and value. Because as I always say, self-esteem is actually relational esteem or social esteem. It's reflected back to us. And we can only feel so great if we're living in a world that's telling us we don't have any worth and value. Like there's only so much you can do within that. And that's why we have to create a better world. Um, and like I just said, healthier environments, you know, it's not just a matter of try harder. It's just some people don't have to try hard at all. God bless them. Right. But we're not all necessarily built into that kind of world. Uh, but I, you know, that's why you have to hit both levels. So my point being, if someone's gosh, really trying to hold you accountable to a certain expectation, you're allowed to speak up for yourself and say, listen, I have a lot more stacked against me. So my resilience is going to be a lifelong journey where for some other people, they can just kind of tweak a thing or two or move an environment or change their social location, as they say, or their whatever their identity might be. And that kind of automatically brings some of those changes. So I don't know, we got to just start talking differently about resilience. It, it's a buzzword that, again, I just think is far too victim blaming. It doesn't really look at the context for the person, you know, just zeroes in on them. Anyway, we'll talk more about that. Uh, coming up next though, we're going to be talking about a bunch of different stuff in the news. Uh, so much, so much went on. Um, we got something going on about Leanne Rhymes, who's doing an interesting form of body positivity, but not the way you're expecting. And also, Oh, 
good, good old, good old sexism. So we got a little story about that. So stick around. It's going to be a little bit of a grab bag. Also, bump it up, bump question of the night. It's up on our Loveland AG page, as always in the stories. So weigh in on that. And then we'll be doing some DMs. And uh, Loveline, as always, is podcasted over at wearechannelq.com. So head on over there and check it out. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, talking about stuff, a bunch of stuff that uh, is going on in the news that kind of intersect with all the things Loveline loves to cover. Leanne Rhymes, I love this. She proudly shares some nude photos because her psoriasis returned for the first time in 16 years. Love it. Why? Because she's normalizing that not everyone has what they would call quote unquote clear skin. People get breakouts, you know? People have uh, blemishes, people have scars, people have stretch marks, people have psoriasis, right? And uh, she said basically for her, she's like, look, stress. I mean, stress is the number one trigger for a lot of things, but especially things like psoriasis. And she's like, ah, the world's got a lot of going on and I do as well. So if she's got a lot of stress, imagine what people have that aren't as wealthy, white, cis, or hetero. You know, amplify that psoriasis everywhere. So her flare-ups came back and she's like, okay, so I'm going to embrace it. And I love that because unfortunately we put celebrities on a pedestal, which we didn't. They're regular people and often a hot mess. However, bless her for this one. So she's putting herself out there being like, look, psoriasis happens. Let's not have shame about it. And that's beautiful because a lot of people have so much shame about body fat, body hair, stretch marks, scars. And when someone with a huge platform like Leanne starts to make people have to encounter and say, it's okay to have this, you can still be healthy, beautiful. I love that. So more of that. I'm such a big fan of the people that are willing to put themselves out there and just be like, look, this is who I am and I'm not gonna carry someone else's shame. I don't have shame about my psoriasis, my scars, they're saying. Other people might be uncomfortable seeing it, but that's for them. You take it, I'm not carrying your shame. I'm not gonna live from your shame, right? And so I think that's really stunning. Um, Beautiful first. If you want to check it out, it's on her IG page. I mean, she's covered. And and I just think it's such a profound thing for us to get comfortable seeing because we're used to seeing airbrushed, right? Lots of makeup, perfect angles and lighting. And I want to get to a time where people just literally take photos. I want to get to a time where we don't use models. Models are just regular people. Just regular people wearing the clothes so you see what regular clothes look on regular people. We don't need these special kinds of types of people and bodies. Um, okay, also, this is a hot mess. A legal group wants to ban trans kids from using the bathrooms that align with their gender. And this is going on in the UK. It's an anti-trans rights legal group. Imagine setting up a legal group to battle trans individuals. Like, are, really, that's what you wanna put your time and energy into? Individuals that are just trying to live their lives? Like, what are you worried about? Let people just use the bathroom, like mind your business. Like, people are just in there pooping and peeing. Like, what are you worried about? <laughs> God. Um, okay, so that's fun. Also, I thought this was a zinger. A man said to his girlfriend, ready for this one? You cannot wear those to this work event because they're man shoes. What is a man shoe? What is a woman shoe? It's fabric, it's material. Let that mess go. Let people just wear stuff. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like let people just authentically wear what they think looks good or they think is cool and keep your judgments to yourself. I, I would never be in a relationship with someone who spoke to me like that. But I also set those boundaries from the door. Like I'm lovingly here to talk to you about all sorts of things. But if you want to negatively comment on, you know, my body, what I'm wearing, whatever, I'm not interested. Use your inside voice. Truly not interested because it doesn't impact you. Something in my life that I'm doing does. Let's talk about it. But if not, keep it to yourself. You know what I mean? Because I wear what I want to wear. And as I've been telling y'all, you're going to see me wearing sweatpants everywhere. Um, but anyway, so he thinks this is okay to say to his girlfriend. I, I, again, rules of adulthood, um, you do you. 
You know what I mean? Your partner's job is not to uh, always be attractive to you. Like people have total selves. They're allowed to have other priorities other than making sure their husband or boyfriend or girlfriend or wife or whoever always thinks that they're attractive. Like life, life is busy and complicated enough. Who's got time for stuff like that? I certainly don't. Um, also, I talked about this study a long time ago. Somehow this circled back. Someone just reposted it and I was like, let's talk about it again. People over 40 should only work three days a week. I'm here for that. And this is, a, these are, this is based on some gigantic longitudinal studies. And one of these took place over in China where they looked at uh, quality of work and output. And they saw that the quality of work and the output was far better when people worked less. So the idea that keeping people on a five-day work schedule for eight hours is somehow better just isn't true. When people are tired and burnt out, all of that drops. So does morale if they're miserable. And two days is not long enough of a weekend. And so I love the idea of pushing back. People should be work. Well, number one, most of us are realizing we can work from home. And if you can work from home, we should be able to just keep working from home. Like that's what COVID has shown. We can do almost everything from home. I do the rate, you know, I do the radio show from home. I do my clinical practice from home. Like sounds good to me in my sweatpants with a cup of coffee. Like I'm pretty sure I'm never leaving the house again, but for those that have to, let's cut the work day back. Let's cut the work week back right? It, it has improved quality of life. Like who's, who's not on board with that? Also people feel less burnout and stressed and they're better able to be focused. Think about that though. I mean, there's only so many hours in a day where you can really be focused and present because life keeps going. Like you might be going through a breakup. Someone might've passed away. You might have financial insecurity. Like there's always other factors going on. So we have to be open to that. And then finally, let's end with this one. Don Lemon, I love this man. He basically said that he cut out all of them. He said, and I quote, I'd get rid of them. He cut out all Trump supporters from his life. I get it. As a black gay man, he is not interested in anyone who is racist or homophobic. And that's what the Trump administration is all about. So he was kind of like, I'm not here for it. They're gone. If you think my rights as a black gay man are up for debate, then you got to go. And, and I... That's the same stance I have. I had to I had to do that as well. Because as we've talked about, it's about ethics. You know, and people that have bad ethics, I don't want around me because they're not gonna be good for me in general. You know what I mean? So for me, it's about ethical compatibility, right? I want psychological compatibility. If I'm dating, I want physical compatibility. But if you're in my life in any form, I want um ethical compatibility. You know, the people we spend time around impact our mental health and how safe we feel as a person. And it's like for Don, he's like, how can I be around someone who doesn't support gay people? Like I said, I have clients that are rushing to get married because they're afraid of losing marriage. You know, they were afraid of losing their health care because they're trans. Uh, that kind of anxiety doesn't need to exist, right? Like our culture is better than that. And I want us to hold people accountable even better than that. But so it is, right? All right, coming up next, we got the question of the night. So still some time to wait on that. That's on our Loveline IG page in the stories. And we'll be back in two minutes with a two-minute promise. And after the question of the night, we'll be sliding into those DMs. So if you got a question, drop them on in there. We got you. As always, you are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, y'all, we're back, and now it's time for question of the night. Oh, boy. All right, question of the night. On election night, remember that? <laughs> it seems so many days ago at this point. It really does. I wondered for a while, when are they going to call this thing? I know that that's what a lot of people are saying. Call it already. We've gotten the electoral votes. We've got the popular vote. Just do it. Question of the night is on election night. How did you cope with the stress? Ooh. <laughs> 
that's one of the things I was tracking actually is I was checking with my friends and family members and uh, looking at social media and whether people were outright stating uh, this is how I'm coping or not. You could tell some people were just doom scrolling and doom refreshing where they're just constantly checking. I did that for a while where I was constantly looking at the updates and they weren't moving. Definitely not moving for the first, what, day or two or three. Um, although some people were, were really pushing ahead. Anyway, really interesting. I, I was using a lot of food. I'm a big fan of using food to ground myself and to cope with feelings, uh, eat things that make me happy, eat food that makes me smile. Uh, why? Because I'm not, I don't concern myself with losing weight or gaining weight. I don't care about that. I don't track that. That's not what health is about. As long as I'm moving my body, eating foods that feel good to me, I put whatever I want in my body and I look the way I look and that's how life is. So I was using a lot of food. Uh, marijuana is also legal here in California. So I was using cannabis. I think that that's a beautiful way to regulate anxiety for a lot of people and also so mood, um, and also just fun masturbation, hanging out with friends, uh, on online. I've been really good about not, um, I've been really good about social distancing. Some of y'all have been let me down. I've been seeing y'all go to your weddings and parties. I don't know what that's about, <sighs> but, uh, hanging out with people online also went for a walk with my buddy. And, and when we got the results, I was out there in the streets, masked, separated, but dancing and celebrating liberation. But, um, Let's hear from y'all. So question tonight is, uh, how did you cope with the stress? First person said, I'm still dealing with the stress. The waiting was the hardest part for me. Yeah, I know. So much to still do, you know? We're in the right direction. And uh, I've shared before that, you know, Biden and Kamala weren't my first pick, but uh, harm reduction, they were far better than Trump. And so I'm gonna push on them and organize still and try to get better. Uh, someone else said, my family and I turned off our phones and watched movies until we fell asleep on the couch. We hadn't done that in years, so it was actually kind of nice. I love that. It's okay to distract. It's okay to check out with whatever means possible. And I'm glad you put the phones down because even if you're not looking at election stuff, everyone else is <laughs> reposting and retweeting and sending articles. So it's like your text messages are flooded, maybe your emails, your online social media. So it, it, it got exhausting for some people. Definite easy burnout. Somebody else said, uh, question night was on election night. How did you cope with the stress? Someone said, I treated myself to some takeout and more than one bottle of wine. The next day wasn't as fun though. I know <laughs> wine does that. That's why I, I, I gave up alcohol a year ago. It was just not having a good effect on my body, on my mental health, on my social health. I'm not a fan of alcohol. I know some people it works for them. That's great. Do your thing for me. It's never really great. Been great or worked well. And I don't like hangovers. Um, so yeah, but props for you um, doing the takeout. There's something special about food when it's being delivered, right? Versus preparing it in the kitchen. I'm not really a fan of cooking, although I will sometimes, but yeah, we got to do what we got to do. It was rough times. Uh, question night on election night. How did you cope with the stress? Someone else said, uh, we had a CNN drinking game. Uh, here we go. Every time someone said Trump, Biden, or pronounced Kamala's name wrong, we had to take a shot. We barely lasted two hours. Yeah, y'all weren't kind. <laughs> you picked like the really big words. <laughs> y'all knew what you were doing. <laughs> oh, pronouncing Kamala's name wrong. Yeah. <laughs> God bless it. Oh, it's so sad when I see that. It's so disrespectful and patronizing, especially because she's a woman of color. It's just like especially offensive. Learn people's names, right? Like it's amazing though the names we've learned. Like really, when you sit with it, we've learned some difficult names. We we can learn we can learn other ones. It's like the pronoun thing. Uh, you can learn people's pronouns, like step it up. You'll be okay. It's called care and compassion and respect. Like stop the things people will learn and memorize. Like, come on now. 
Um, question of the night. On election night, how did you cope with the stress? Someone said, uh, caught up on my rest. Though I thought it was going to be done in the morning, but it lasted way too long. And that's the thing, right? People are like, we just got to get through election night and then we're good. And then we had the next day and we're like, all right, just got to get through today. And then we're good. And then it was like, nope, one more day. And it just felt like it was ongoing and ongoing. So those that hung in there, uh, well done. I know it was difficult. Everyone kind of comes to something like that, like an election from a different place, right? A different level of care and concern. And I had, like I've shared before, uh, friends and family members and clients that are trans that were worried about losing access to healthcare and privileges. Also clients that are gay or queer identified and worried about the right to marriage. Uh, people that are, um, uh, uterus owners that were worried about the ability to get, you know, life-saving healthcare or like abortions and things like that. I mean, so much is on the table and it still is right. The, the battle isn't won. We still have to do so much work. Um, we're going to be better able to do it now, but it's not perfect. Right. I saw a post where someone's like, please, let's not think that now we're in a post racism kind of culture. We still have to battle that and homophobia and everything else. So the work remains. It's just that now I think it's going to be easier to do so. Anywho. All right. Coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMS question of the night as always is up on our Loveline IG page in the stories. So weigh in on that and uh love line. You can check out past episodes over at we as well as my live stream show. I'm listening live every Thursday night, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. And that's on all the radio.com handles, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. So go check that out. And uh, we'll be back in two minutes with that two-minute promise. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, we are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world and we want you to explore with confidence. All right, here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris. My name is Lacey. I've been seeing this girl, Amanda, for about two months. Obviously, because of the pandemic, we aren't hanging out as much as we would like, but we talk every day. We try to FaceTime almost every day as well. P.S. That's also really powerful. FaceTime, FaceTime, FaceTime. We need eye contact and it's going to be a different level of presence and you're going to feel closer to them. You know, your brain will register that as having spent time with them where texting is very disjointed and disconnected and doesn't feel as intimate because we're looking at literal text, right? And so FaceTime lets us see the person before us. And so try to really build that in and remember that there's a big distinction, especially with pandemic distancing and long distance and all those factors. Um, but back to the question the other day we got coffee and she wanted to show me something on her Instagram. <laughs> no, here it comes. When she pulled it up, the first picture on her feed was her ex. I asked her why she still followed her ex. And she said they still talk sometimes, but that it wasn't a big deal. Then I did a little stalking. I guess I want to just stop there for a second. I'm still friends with all my exes and I follow them on social media and I still talk to them. And that's actually very healthy and it's very appropriate. And if someone doesn't trust me, uh, or doesn't trust that, then they need to work on trust and they need to have a better model of what leaving a relationship looks like. Just because we're no longer dating or having sex with someone doesn't mean they don't get to still be in our lives. And I personally mandate that if someone new enters my life, I keep everyone else that was in it before you entered. You don't get to enter my life and date me and tell me who my friends are or shame my relationship to my exes. It's a good sign that people are friends with their exes. It means that they resolve and leave lovingly. <clears throat> if you don't trust someone, 
then don't date people you can't trust. Because if you're dating someone who's worthy of trust, then it doesn't matter who they're friends with. And so please don't act out your possessiveness or jealousy on someone by saying, you can't be friends with these people because I'm not comfortable. Learn to be comfortable. Your partner's job is not to not, your partner's job is not to make sure at all times you are never made uncomfortable. So you got to grow up a little bit with that one. I don't agree that that's a problem. Um, she should follow her exes. Well played. Uh, and then you did some stalking. So again, clearly you have some work to do around trust issues. Either you've dated people you can't trust and you need to work on only dating people you trust, or you have some unresolved stuff that you need to work on before you date. Because you guys, we bring that stuff into our relationships. And if you realize that you're that person, work on that. It's not okay to, to stalk. That's a sign that you are not either again, working on your trust stuff or with someone who's worthy of trust. So check that, please stop doing damage with that. I don't do that. I'm in a relationship. I don't go through people's phones. Okay, Amanda still leaves heart eyes and fire emojis under some pictures, which typing that sounds really lame, but it kind of bothered me. <laughs> Is it bad to ask her to lead her ex on IG? Yes, that's emotionally abusive actually to do that. To say, I'm gonna ask you to engage, to, to remove anything that makes me upset versus me working on growing up and being better. It's not your partner's job to do that. It's okay that she's doing that. Let that go. She's still being very loving and caring. If you trust her, then we have no problem. And if you don't, then address that first. Um, those things don't mean anything. Or maybe she's okay with flirting. Here's the other thing. Y'all, you got to talk about what you deem to be comfortable or not or monogamous or not. I do things like that. My definition of monogamy allows for me to still do cute things like that. That to me, I won't allow to be removed from my life. I'm still flirtatious because I'm with people that I only date people that trust my boundaries. And so should you let it be? Yeah, yeah, let it go. <laughs> let it go. When in doubt, let it go. Because if this is someone worthy of trust, then we're good. And if not, we have a bigger issue. She's publicly doing that. I'm not worried about things like that. I'm really not. I think some of you, though, are dating really shady people. And that's why you're like, yeah, but every time they do that, it turns out they're cheating. Stop dating shady people. I think maybe you're dating a lower quality of person. I don't know where you're meeting them. I don't know if you're missing out on red flags. I don't know if you're helping sustain such a thing. But, like, there's work to do, y'all. You know, we got to be better. All right, y'all, that is our show. As always, thanks for hanging out. Tomorrow's show, we got a big one. It's a good one. We're going to talk about doom scrolling, how to fight more in a fair way, how to deal with hurt, all sorts of good stuff, how to deal with relational boredom. So join us tomorrow, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, or by going to wearechannelq.com and checking it out podcast style. So as always, y'all, thanks for hanging out, and have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your night.